The Tech Today podcast is brought to you by SSNC Technologies, a global market-leading provider of cloud-based investment accounting software services in fund administration. SSNC's AI-powered investment operations and accounting platform, Singularity, provides real-time, multi-basis accounting across a wide range of asset types with unparalleled automation and operational efficiency. Singularity is offered on a software-as-a-service basis or via smart source. SSNC's intelligent middle and back office accounting service. For more information, visit ssctech.com forward slash singularity. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast, powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Maeda. You got to forgive the background noise, construction in every direction around here. Um, Treasury, the Fed, back at it. Treasury signing letters of intent with the airlines today. Look, you know, it was bad enough in 2008 when we bailed out all the banks, bailed out GM. That was socialist enough for me. But now it's apparently bail out everybody. And Mnuchin stated, look, you know, we're, we're getting a return on these investments. The American taxpayer will get a return. The American taxpayer... If the American taxpayer were an investor, he or she would not be putting money into airlines to begin with. This is essentially the Full Employment Act in an election year. Subsidize every company that has a large employee base because Trump can't afford to have headlines saying XYZ company just laid off 30,000 people. That's what's driving everything. I mean, the central banks globally are socialist enough with their perpetual low interest rate policies. But then you layer in an election year and it's the normal central bank environment on steroids where everything gets subsidized. Print, print, print. Build up reserves. And I don't care whether or not the reserves are are fully deployed. I, I know there's a lot of capital that was printed that hasn't been yet fully deployed through uh, the various credit facilities. Main Street lending, the primary market facilities, the secondary market facilities. I know there's a lot of dry powder. But it's the fact that they printed it to begin with is my problem. And the reason why the dollar hasn't plummeted is because the, the, the Fed, Treasury, the administration, all of which, by the way, are working in in concert, which should not be the case. The Fed should be a check against the the fiscal side. Monetary and fiscal should not be in concert. But the reason why the dollar hasn't plummeted is because the Fed is working in, in concert, not only with the fiscal side in the U.S., but in concert with other central banks. So everybody's devaluing their currency. So therefore, on a relative basis, you're not seeing the dollar plummet or, you know, the euro and so forth. Um, and, and presumably all these people have children and, and many have grandkids. Those who are in power making decisions that just keep layering debt on the balance sheet, that just keep printing money to service the debt. They are doing nothing to further the long-term economic interests of the United States. And the same goes for the other central banks that are pursuing the same initiatives. They are no, doing nothing to strengthen their respective countries economically in 
the long term. Nor in the short term, for that matter. All you're seeing in the short term is uh, companies that would otherwise be bankrupt, whether it be Chapter 11 or Chapter 7, uh, or companies that are currently investment grade or otherwise would be uh, high yield. All you're seeing is these uh, banks, central banks, propping up what I call zombie companies in their respective countries so that people remain employed, that unemployment will be manageable, and that those in, in power get reelected rather than let the business cycle run its, its normal cycle, which speaks to the piece that we published the other day, state-led capitalism, where capitalism is no longer a free market composed of, of buyers and sellers. Uh, obviously, you still have buyers and sellers, but they are no longer the primary decision makers. Uh, the primary decision maker is now the central bank in, in concert with, uh, uh, with the legislative branch and the executive branch. You know, we now have coordinated fiscal and monetary policy. And the actions that come out of that coordinated effort are the primary mover of markets. Not buyers and sellers trying to figure out based on fundamentals or technical analysis, whatever your, 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 your mode of analysis is around companies, uh, industries, and economies. Uh, that analysis all takes a back seat to central bank actions. So if you're somebody like, like me and uh, millions of others like me that grew up in the capital markets, uh, and in my case, I'm all about uh, fundamental analysis, bottoms-up models, uh, company-specific uh, bets, not so much sector-driven bets or, or macro-driven bets. All that fundamental research now uh, gets diluted materially in terms of its value to the investment decision-making process. It takes a back seat to central bank actions. It's a, a macro world on steroids. You know, bottoms-up analysis mean, means very little. It should mean a lot in a time like this where you have a rough economy. Fundamentals should be everything at a time like this when you're going through something that's uh, unprecedented in terms of the hit the economy took uh, as a result of the COVID virus. But it turns out it means very little. Fundamental analysis means very little because the Fed has said we're going to backstop pretty much everything that moves rather than let the business cycle run its course, which of course creates all sorts of moral hazard. Because if you let the business cycle run its course and you let these companies that for example, American Airlines, um, any company in any industry that has thin margins, where it's just a, a, you know, a tough business, if you let some of those companies file for bankruptcy, suffer the bankruptcy reorg, and to go through that pain, then maybe, post the COVID virus, maybe then they'll be smart enough to change their behavior and save some of those earnings for the next rainy day to provide a cushion as opposed to spending every last dollar they earn buying back their shares, artificially inflating the, the, their equity valuation. That's obviously what's taken place since 2008 when quantitative easing was born is these artificially low interest rates uh, encourage companies to uh, 
issue debt, corporate debts at a, at a record. Maybe I'll include a link in, in show notes. I don't know if it's been updated, uh, if the tables have been updated in the past three or four weeks. But corporate debt's at record levels. And what do companies do with all this debt? Not double down on R&D, not double down on innovation. Uh, in some cases, certain companies double down on M&A. And I like smart M&A if it's bringing in uh, intellectual property and customers into the organization and, and strengthens the organization. So I'm not going to say that all M&A is, is bad. I'm a fan of smart M&A. Spent a fair amount of, of my life doing it. But for the most part, it all went to share buybacks of the capital that was uh, raised as a result of issuing cheap debt. It all went to share buybacks. And now the rainy day's here, and now those companies don't have any uh, cash flow on their balance sheet because they spend all of their operating cash on share buybacks and, uh, in addition to the cash raised via debt issues. And, and now they all want bailouts, which is fine. They could ask, but 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 you know, Fed, Treasury have stepped up and, and have acquiesced. Rather than teach the hard lesson, they've acquiesced. And the reason, I may or may not have mentioned this on a podcast last week, but the reason you haven't seen, for example, if you look at the Main Street Lending Program, the reason you haven't seen more lending out of that program is because you know, if you spend any time in the debt markets, you would know that those companies that would need the capital most whether they be publicly traded or, or, or private companies, those companies that would benefit most from the Main Street Lending Program aren't credit worthy, probably aren't generating positive uh, operating cash flow, operating income, EBITDA, however you want to define it. So the Fed's been scratching its head for the past few weeks. Well, why aren't more companies applying for the Main Street Lending Facility? And it's because the uh, hurdles that the Fed set up, and I don't know what the EBITDA target was. I don't know that that's been disclosed, but clearly that EBITDA hurdle was too much for these uncreditworthy companies to meet. It was too great of a hurdle. And the Fed, if you recall, they were lending out out of the Main Street Lending Program at four to six times EBITDA. Uh, based on 2019 EBITDA. But again, the problem is many of those companies that would benefit from the, the facility did not have 2019 EBITDA. They were probably burning cash. So my guess what you'll see there is you'll see this, the, the Fed lower the hurdle. Because if you recall Powell's comments to Congress a couple weeks ago was, uh, with the Main Street Lending Program, we are uh, lending capital to creditworthy companies who the banks have deemed uncreditworthy. Those are his words. We're lending to uh, creditworthy companies who the banks have deemed uncreditworthy. What kind of twisted logic is that? So watch. It, it, my bet that they will, low, they the Fed will, will lower the hurdle for the Main Street Lending Program so that uh, companies who are you know, in many cases, running a break-even, burning cash, will we'll qualify. So now, what do you think companies are going to do? Well, let's focus on public companies for the moment, but this creates all sorts of moral hazard. Let's say you have a new CEO on the job. He or she's been in the chair for a couple of years or a few months, or whatever the case may be, and immediately they get hit out of left field with, with this COVID virus, and they think, man, this is, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. 
in terms of a negative on the U.S. economy. This may be the worst thing the U.S. economy's ever gone through in, in history. But in retrospect, it wasn't so bad because we got bailed out. So coming out of this coronavirus, I'm just going to go back to doing what we were doing before, buying back stock, not building up cash reserves for a rainy day, because I've been taught, I've been conditioned by the federal government, by Treasury, by the Fed, by the administration, that if I get into trouble, I'm going to be bailed out at no cost with forgivable loans. So why would I change my behavior? I'm just going to keep spending our operating cash flow on uh, things that don't strengthen the company, but that pop our stock. I'm going to spend 99% of operating cash flow on share buybacks in perpetuity. So it's just it's weak behavior all around. You have uh, weak behavior by CEOs who are short, ultra short term in their thinking, not strengthening their companies, doing employees and shareholders a massive disservice, which is why I started CEO Raider to begin with. You have too many quote, quote, quote unquote, caretaker CEOs who are doing nothing to further the business in a real way and certainly aren't caretaking either. They're net dilutive to the companies that they lead, if it's fair to use the word lead. So you've got poor behavior by the CEOs in many cases, and then you've got socialist behavior coming out of Washington, D.C. And the worst thing about all this is you get, you've got young people coming up who think this is normal now. If you're a teenager or a young professional, you think, well, this is how it's done. This is okay. This is normal. So if this is what young people are being taught, then what's the next generation of leaders? The next generation of leaders is likely to be as corrupt and short-term in their thinking as those who are presently in power across Congress, the executive branch, and the central banks. This next generation is likely to follow the same path unless you would hope that some read about history, or nobody reads today, watch a YouTube video about uh, the, the history of the Federal Reserve System of capital markets, of the economy, of, of money supply, of economic crises, so on and so forth. They're going to have to take it upon themselves to educate themselves as to the right way to run an economy for the benefit of the long-term health of the economy. They're going to have to take it upon themselves because they're not being taught by not being taught the right way by the current practitioners. So these short-term actions by the federal government are having all sorts of I'll say unintended consequences, but they they're not dummies. They know the short-term actions they're taking uh, are negative in real terms. And they're doing it anyway. Cognitive dissidence at its best. That's all for now. See you next time.